You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. Each of us, every single one of us, is created for greatness. You haven't been created by God to be average. You haven't been created by God to be just okay. You haven't been created by God to just get through life. You haven't been created by God to just get it done. To wake up, go to work, go home, you know, hang out with your kids, hang out with your family, and go to bed. You were designed by the most creative being who designed the world and the intricacies of the world. He designed you as well. And whenever he was finished with designing you, he said, you are the cream of the crop. You are the pinnacle of my creation. You are the most amazing thing that I've ever made. You are great and you are designed for greatness. Do you believe that? Do you? I know, I know. I know some of you do. I know some of you do. But others of you, when I say those things, I think that your response is kind of like, well... I'm, I'm, I'm maybe above average, or um, I'm not as bad as that guy. But you truly don't believe that you're designed for greatness. And Scripture teaches us that there is a seed planted in our hearts that, aspire, that, 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 that aspires to be great because God is great, and we are created in his image. Does that make sense? And the promise of Jesus is when we follow him, what happens? We become like him. And would you say that Jesus was just kind of an average guy? No. You would say, Jesus was great. Or I hate Jesus. I mean, those are kind of your two options, right? You either hate Jesus or you think Jesus is flipping awesome. He's great. And what Jesus tells us is that if you follow me, you will become like me. And if you become like me, you will become great like I am great. Is there anybody in the room, because I will dismiss you, if you want, who doesn't want to be great? No. Uh Uh-uh. Why is that? Every one of us, maybe you don't want to be famous. Maybe you don't want to be well-known. But every one of us has the desire inside us to be great. And it drives us. And what it's driving us to and towards is Jesus. And becoming like Jesus. Because we can only be great when we are becoming like Jesus. There's a story in the Bible I'm going to read right now. And when we read it, there's this negative connotation about the boy. The disciples arguing about who's the greatest. And I read all the accounts. It's in every gospel except for John. The three synoptic gospels it's in. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And in every one of them, it talks about this argument that they've had about who's great. And what we don't see is Jesus rebuking them about wanting to be great. And what we actually see is Jesus telling them, hey, you want to be great? I'll show you how to be great. I'll teach you how to be great. And so that's what this story is about. Let's take a look. Oh, let me wait, turn off the screen real quick. Let me create some context. This is what's kind of, this, is, this illustrates Jesus' desire to serve and love and be patient with the disciples. 
which is what this whole story is about, of how, how we become great, is just this conversation with the disciples comes on the heels of him telling them that he's getting ready to be killed. Okay? And so what's happened is he's told them, hey, I'm going to be killed. And they start talking about, hey, when Jesus goes, who's going to be the greatest? Right? So that's the context of when and how this conversation, which was, I'd be kind of pissed. You know, I'd be kind of angry at that. You know, jockeying for position whenever the leader goes or like have you, you were growing up on a, like you were playing sports as a, as a kid and there's someone, maybe your second string and there's that kid that was in front of you. You're kind of like, yeah, it wouldn't, sprained his ankle. Maybe that wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> I can get in the game, right? Well, that's a little bit, a little bit of what's happened with the disciples. Hey, you hear that? Jesus, I don't understand. It says they didn't understand. Jesus talked about being killed which means there's going to be a vacancy in his role. And so maybe one of us is the conversation that's kind of happening right now, okay? And so we read this. And they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he asked them, what were you discussing on the way? I just love how Jesus does it. Like, it's like when you, find, you know your kids have done something wrong. You're like, yeah, so uh, where'd the Oreos go? I was just going to get some and I can't find any Oreos. And you kind of ask your kids, knowing that they've taken them and eat them all, right? That's what happens right here. Jesus says this. He says, so, what were you guys talking about on the way? Discuss it on the road. And it says, but they kept silent. Like they disappear. Your kids ever do that? Like, just be quiet. Mom won't know. <laughs> For on the way, they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And it says that they were still in the other accounts. It said, Jesus asked them the question, and he says, be still. And so they stopped, like, how do you go? Anyway, and he sat down, which is a posture that a teacher or the rabbi would take when he's getting ready to teach his students, his disciples, a very important lesson. So he sits down, and he calls the 12 to him, and he says to them this, if any one of you wants to be first, if any of you desires to be great, he must be last of all and a servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. Father, we pray that you would come to the power of your spirit now. And that uh, you would just teach us the simple truth today of what it means to be great in your kingdom, for your glory. Amen. You know, when we read the story again, what's our response? Oh, man, those prideful disciples. How could they, after Jesus spoke about dying, have the conversation about who's going to fill his shoes? Who's going to step into leadership? It's so selfish. It's so prideful. I can't believe they're just so self-focused, so hungry for power. And maybe they were, because we don't know. But what I love about the story is that Jesus doesn't condemn them. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't get angry at them. He demonstrates the very principle he's trying to teach them. He's getting ready to do what? To serve them, to love them, to sacrifice, to take the hit for them, so that they can learn how to be great in the kingdom of God. 
And Jesus doesn't say, and in this passage or the other passages when it talks about this, that it's wrong to pursue greatness in the kingdom of God. Why? Because what I opened with, we're all designed to be great because God is great in the kingdom of God. It's one of the things I love the most about the kingdom of God is that the kingdom of God takes something little like a mustard seed and grows it into something magnificent where people can live and find shelter. That's what the kingdom of God's like. The kingdom of God takes what's foolish in the eyes of the world and uses it to be boasted and glorified in the kingdom of God. He takes people, this is what I love the most about the kingdom of God, is that he takes people who don't believe that they're capable of anything good and he makes them great in the kingdom of God. He takes people who don't feel like they have any value and he says, no, actually, you're like a treasure to me a treasure that I'm willing to give you what is most precious to me, my son, so that I can have you. That's what the kingdom of God is like. That God sees you, he sees me, not as something that's average, not something that's good, but it's like a treasure. That he calls us the pearl of great price and gives everything so that he can have us. That's what I love about the kingdom of God. That's what makes me really believe that Jesus is trying to teach disciples here is that you are great. You are great. Let me show you what it means to become great in the same way the Father has made me great and glorified. And Jesus shows us here what it looks like when we achieve greatness in the kingdom of God. It's by becoming a servant to all. By becoming a servant to all. And we see this scripture all throughout the Bible, not just the New Testament, all throughout the Bible. We see stories of sacrificial love, of God's leaders becoming servants, We see Jesus teaching about this. Anyone who wants to follow me must deny himself, pick up his cross, and come after me. And then we see Jesus demonstrating this. When Jesus, what? One of the most intimate moments in the the, the story of the disciples. He goes to the disciples and he washes their feet. What a slave would do. He washes their feet. Demonstrating what it looks like to lead in the kingdom of God. What it looks like to become great in the kingdom of God. And we see this with the woman who breaks the alabaster jar of nard over his feet. And he's, what happens? He defends her. He steps in the way of her. He takes the brunt. Or the woman who's caught in adultery, the same thing. He gets in the way. He serves. He sacrifices, risks himself so that she's okay. And we see this pattern, the Old Testament, the New Testament, of what does it look like to be great? Jesus says very simply, to be great in my kingdom is that you become a servant to all, Right? That's what it looks like to be great. You know, the disciples, whenever they were talking about this, it was a good chance they were talking about their glory. The absence of Jesus, it seemed like an appropriate time to talk about, well, where are we going to rank in this? But Jesus redirects them, and he insists, and he shows them, no, the way to glory, the way to greatness in the kingdom of God is through serving one another. The disciples, or anyone who follows Jesus, all of us, cannot, we don't have the choice when we become a follower of Jesus to order our relationships as we please. We don't have the option any longer to recognize uh, certain people as less or as more powerful or good or as bad. We give that right away 
Because Jesus tells us, he demonstrates, if you want to be great, and we want to be great. I ask you, do you want to be great? Everyone wants to be great. If we want to be great in the kingdom of God, what does Jesus say? You have to become a servant to all. Thus losing our right to judge, losing our right to condemn, losing our right to rule over with power, losing our right to put ourselves first, to push our cause, our agenda. Jesus is saying this, as my disciple or follower, if you want to be great in the kingdom, live like this, serve one another. Imagine if everyone in the church did this, what would happen? What if everyone in the church made this like radical shift and we just began to serve one another? Every one of us. I'll tell you what would happen. This is what it's alleviated. You can't be angry at somebody who's washing your feet. It's hard to be angry at someone who's sacrificing for you. It's hard to be upset or jealous at someone who is serving you. And immediately Jesus, Jesus, as he orders the way we are to interact with each other, he drives away disunity and ushers in unity, love through sacrifice and suffering for one another. What would happen at River City Church if we saw the way to greatness, we really believed that the way to becoming like Jesus, the way to becoming great was by serving one another? We would be radical. We would be cray-cray over one another. We would, we would not be holding our cell phone numbers for one each other. We'd be giving it out like it's wildfire, creating opportunity. Oh, yeah, 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 call me at three in the morning because I want to serve you. Please. Now, some of us say that, but we're praying to God they don't call. We're praying, Jesus, let it be between 7 and 7 in the afternoon or whatever. If everyone lived like this, we would become great. We would become more like Jesus. That's all he's saying. Some of you know that my friend, uh, I've been walking with one of my good friends, um, John Moorhead, is, is, is getting closer and closer to his new beginning and uh, is, is, is um, further along and uh, has lung cancer. And I was with him this week and he had a bad day and I was with him the next day and he was different. And I said, dude, what happened? I, th- he, I thought he was going to go into hospice. You know, I was told he was going to go into hospice inpatient. He said, Antley, the craziest thing happened. He was talking to me, just like he was the last time I was with him. And his son told me it was the first time in four days. It was the best day that he had. And I said, well, tell me what happened. He said, I was having this fear and this anxiousness. I couldn't breathe. I was having a hard time breathing, getting out of my breath. I had a really rough night. And he said, and then last night, I had this dream. But it wasn't like a dream, any other dream I'd ever have. He says, it was more like a vision. It was tangible. And when he was telling me the story, he was smiling. And, and like he was lit up. He was like, lit up and smiling as he's telling me the story. I mean, he's on his deathbed. He could die in the next few days, the next few weeks or whatever. And he's telling me the story and becomes animated. And I was like, dude, tell me the dream, tell me the dream. You know, I was like all excited about this. He says, it was like a vision. And he said, um, he said I, I, what I know is, is I died and I'd moved on and I was in heaven. And he said, Antley, he said, there were these glorious people. I mean, just amazing people in heaven. And he said, every one of them, was just beautiful, great, powerful. I mean, he said in every way, he said, and he couldn't, he says, I can't find words 
to describe what they were like. But he said, um, he said, I just, I was trying to find my way around and I was looking for the lowliest person. And he said, what was happening was crazy because I'd go up to someone who was, who seemed way above the rank I needed to find out the information I wanted. And instead of passing me down, they would pass me up to the next higher ranking person. And then they'd pass me up again. And I kept saying to each one, no, 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 no. I don't need you. I need someone lesser. I need someone lesser. And he said that they just kept passing me up, passing me up, passing me up the whole time, higher and higher to more beautiful, more glorious, greater and greater beings. And he said, central to their heart's desire for me was their desire to serve me. They just wanted to serve me. And their desire to pass me up was a desire in their heart for me to experience more and more of Jesus, more and more of his beauty, more and more of his glory. That's what happens when we begin to serve one another as people that we're serving begin to experience more and more of Jesus, more and more of God's beauty, more and more of God's glory, more and more of God's greatness because we're becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, becoming great in anything, at anything, is hard, right? Becoming great in sports, becoming great in school, becoming great as a husband like myself. I've had to work at it. I've had to work long and hard, and I am still, if you ask my wife, not very great. I'm uh, okay, all right? And so, here's the thing about becoming great in the kingdom of God. It's not hard. It's impossible. It's impossible. If you leave today and, and you leave here and you think, okay, got my marching orders. Now I just start needing to serve people because when I serve people, I'm going to become great. And I am on the journey. I'm going to be great. Ailey said, I'm going to be great. Oh, watch me become great. But what happens in that journey is that Jesus doesn't get the glory, right? And so Jesus sets it up so that we can't do this without him. We cannot do this without him. That he has to be the one who's empowering this. And he shows us this as he moves to the next point or the next kind of part of the story. To drive the point home, he pulls this little boy. He grabs him, or he has him come over to him. And he says this, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. Jesus pulls this little boy close to him, holds him in his arms, looks to his disciples and says, This is what it looks like to be great. You don't have to serve everybody. I just want you to serve one. Serve one of the least of these. Serve one person who's been marginalized. One person who's hurting. One person who needs to know me. One person who is lost. Draw close to them, just like I've drawn close to this boy. And he says, receive them in my name. What that means is Jesus is telling them, Receive them with the same love and compassion and patience that I've received you. And when you receive one of these little ones, the same way that I've received you, the same way that I've given my love to you, the same way that I've been patient with you, caring for you, sacrificial for you, then guess what happens? You will not only receive more of my love, you will receive me but you will receive more of my Father's love for you as well. 
I know, back to abiding. When you do this, you will be filled with more of God's love. In our church, we say, David was saying today, man, Lord, more than anything, we want to be filled with the Spirit. Why? Because when we are filled with the Spirit, we become empowered by something greater than we are in our own. And that we, can, we begin to be able to do things we could never do. That's what's happening here. As Jesus is telling us, this is one of the ways that you receive my love. Like worship, like prayer, like spending time in the word. Serving one another is one of the ways that you will be able to receive my love and receive the love of the Father. And this is foundational, folks. This is foundational to who we are as Christians. Remember last week I said there are two explosions happening in the church that power the pistons and make the church beautiful. Relationship with Jesus is first. Relationship with each other is second. That those explosions need to be happening for the church to become. But Jesus is telling us here, and this is what that relationship looks like with each other. It looks like serving one another, sacrificing for one another, in the same way that Jesus has sacrificed for us. And this is foundational, primary to calling, and it's primary to doing or becoming empowered in the kingdom of God. Because if we become empowered in the kingdom of God before we learn this lesson, what happens? We become dangerous and we hurt people, like I said last week. God will not trust us with his power until we understand and experience his love. God will not trust us with his power until we experience and understand his love because power without love becomes hurtful. It's why the Father's love is our super pillar. It drives everything in our church. The Father's love, empowered by the Spirit, loving the lost and the brokenhearted. Now the good news is this. When you become empowered and called and find your place in our church, you will come alive. You will become dangerous. But what you do in the kingdom for the king is not what makes you great. What makes you great is experiencing his love. What makes you great is then taking the love that you've experienced and pouring it out so that others will experience it. And in doing so, you will receive more of his love and more of the Father's love. Does that make sense? You're designed to be great. This is the way to it. It's the only way to it. Let's stand.